I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome back to Fever FM. We're back, baby. We're talking about football, even if it's on a weird angle at some weird field in Australia. It's great to be back. Uh, I'm joined by the full cast, uh, Helena, Dave, Dale and Cam. Hello, all. Hello. Hello, hello. What's up? Fairly blurry-eyed from the Women's uh, World Cup. Um, I take it now that the, the uh, playoffs are happening, we're getting a bit more sleep. No. Today's my two days of rest and recovery before the quarterfinals. Yeah, I was going to say, it's rest days. we I'd definitely be good. But it's been strange watching so much football and kind of not being, not like, A, talking about it, not podding, but also kind of not invested in every single game. It's been kind of kind of nice. A lot of football, a lot to watch, but also not a huge amount personally on the line, which is kind of good. I personally was extremely emotionally invested in the United States losing. I was ecstatic about the United States losing. I was like Spoilers. pumping my fist. I was stoked. And people were like, are you Swedish? I was like, no, I just, I'm anti-American. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. I learned the entire Portuguese national anthem in Portuguese for the game at Eden Park. And people kept being like, are you Portuguese? And I would say, no, I'm anti-American. I mean, I think you should just lean into it and be like, yes, yes, I, I am. I'm sing. also Swedish. I, you know, like, yeah. and then today when you're like, I feel, today I feel, yeah. Yeah. Today I feel Portuguese. Anthem. I literally can do it, so I don't know when that's ever going to come up again. But Next time Ronaldo plays, man, next World Cup. The frustrating thing will be it will have dropped out of your mind by the time you need it. It's never dropping out of my mind, man. I had that on Spotify loop for like 48 hours, and my Spotify rap just cooked. But it was worth it. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was singing the Italian national anthem along with the Italians when they were here as well. But it's pretty they were shit. Did, did you cry with them as well? No, but I took some great photos of them crying a lot. It was uh, oh, it's magical. There was some serious Schadenfreude going on in there. Oh, love. Oh yes, um, yes. The World Cup does bring it uh, its um, ups and its very low downs. Um, speaking of low downs, uh, let's just crack straight onto the the Knicks uh, in their <laughs> what is it? Their first A League uh, Australian Cup game. Sorry. Mate, it's the start of the season. Can you at least try and feign a little bit of positivity? Get no. fucked. No. <laughs> Utterly get fucked. This is not the point of the pod. It um, is the point of the pod. You're allowed to be positive occasionally. Yeah. My tragico. That's not my job. That's your job. My job is to sit here and look pretty. We didn't lose to a, a, a like a tier two opposition. So that, that's pretty have. good. Yeah, we could have. But it's, it's always that tough one with the Australia Cup, right? And and that they're quite a way through their season. They're kind of at their peak. And often for us, it's A, our first hit out, and B, our competition we really don't give a shit about. I mean, the, the commentary team in this one was talking up how this is a, a must-win game and everything on the line for the Phoenix. And honestly, they clearly don't understand that that realistically for us, winning's just more preseason games. That's the only benefit for us. We can never host one. We never really care about going deep in the competition. I'm sure if a cup run came round, we might care. But those early rounds, it's just preseason for us. And it's just the opportunity for games. So it's not a must-win game. No one was looking at it like that from the Phoenix setup. It was it was a good chance to give some of the kids a run. And we did. And we won. Hmm. 
Yeah. Showed, showed how whether they could step up to that level. Showed Chiefy who's actually paying attention and training uh, for a start. But honestly, they, they, they've had one, prior to that game, they'd had one hit out against non-intra-club players, right? So it, it all, that, all that really told me is that the opponent they played in the cup was better than the opponent they played in the preseason game. It told very little else of anything. To me, um, the interesting thing was one, they've obviously been given a style of play that Chiefies kind of pushed them towards, and I don't think that you're going to be pushing it this early unless it's kind of going to be sitting for the whole year. Um, but also maybe a little bit of a see-who-can-play-where scenario, like that back line was, wasn't makeshift, but it was certainly um, new players playing in new positions. Um, that new signing, uh, Lucas Kelly-Heald, playing mm. left fullback, which I thought was very interesting. Man, he eats up some territory with those strides, doesn't he? He was int- that I was going to say I took some a couple of things from it. Actually, I think it was instructive. Like the way that he set the fullbacks up to play was very interesting to me. Mm. Like they almost not to compare it to women, but like almost like the way that Vigman gets um, Lucy Bronze to play sometimes. Like when when they're not elevating their fullbacks right up, instead they get her to drive into that yeah. half space. That's what they had him doing. I thought that was quite interesting. There's not a huge amount of teams in the A-League that invert fullbacks as a matter of course. So I thought it was quite interesting. And that dude has got the longest legs I've ever seen. Like <laughs> one step was like 20 of mine. So love that for him. He's going to need some long socks, isn't he, Helena? <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth there. Um, uh, they also had uh, Finn Sermon playing in, in the backs as well. It's not often you see... Finn Sermon looking small, to be quite honest. But <laughs> next to Kelly Heald, he certainly certainly looks like a bit of a midgy. And the one time uh, Tim Payne got next to him, it was it was true gullible, Gulliver moments, I think. Um, well, that's actually quite nuts. Eh? Like, if you look at the, the, the size of that back line, where Tim Payne is the shortest, and shortest. I think he's like 5'11 or something like that. The other three, Wooten, uh, Sermon, and uh, Kelly, Kelly Heald. Heald. They are enormous human beings. If they're going to play that back four, I have no idea if he's going to play that back four or not. But he's literally two meters tall. Mm. Yeah, and he's still growing. He's eighteen. That's like almost at the point of like becoming hard to play a sport like football. You know, like yeah. crouch territory. Well, his brother's a goalkeeper, right? His brother, his brother's uh, in the academy as a as a Phoenix goalkeeper, who's his twin and is just as tall. So. Probably I'm a twin, uh, and we're both short. Hmm. I was surprised there. how mobile he was. I thought mm, he'd I be big and strong, sure, but yeah, didn't mind running, um, didn't mind getting about. Um, Sermon looked as good as he's kind of – I mean, he looked pretty good in that under-20s, I thought. Uh, man, he, he must have iron shins from the amount of blocks he did uh, in that under-20s, but didn't seem to weigh him down. Um the uh, one thing, seeing as we've got a couple of goalkeepers on on the pod, I want to get your thoughts on um, the keeper playing out from the back so so specifically and so often. I'm going to call it brave. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, Paulson's known to have reasonably good good feet. He, he's you know come through the academy, and, and I think that's something that they do a lot. And uh, a bit of a football background. Stuff. Yeah, and he does it with, with with calmness. Like you know, he he was getting himself into some tight situations, but 
Um, I guess having seen him play, I know he can play out of those quite quickly. And he even put in like, I remember one time the first half, he put in a little feint, sold a guy a dummy and then play past him. And I was like, oof, you know. Yep. Um, so it's definitely, I think, something that we will utilise because, um, you know, uh, let's be fair, Ali Sales' feet nowhere near as, as good and Marinovic before him was, was no better either. So I it wouldn't surprise me if, if that's a, 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 you know, a starting point or a pivot point for us. Um, mm. as, as well, him playing you know quite high and outside his box, like when we've got position. Yeah, and I think I think the only thing I'd add is like we know he's good at it, but I think if you're going to try and bring that in, this is a game where you know the opposition aren't going to be as fit, they're not going to be as fast, they're not going to press as much as you would get against an A League opposition. So this is a time of your preseason to go. Let's put ourselves under a bit of pressure with that. Let's see how we go with it and work from there because you start trying that early in say regular season you're gonna you're gonna be under a hell of a lot more pressure whereas here you can kind of blood in that a little and as i say we know he's good at it so why not say actually today we're gonna overuse it we're gonna get comfortable using that in a game situation so we know we have it up our sleeve when we need it later yeah it seems like if you're gonna try it this is the time to try it uh i i do have uh, i i do take Dale's point about his ability to, to move the ball. He was very, very competent with his feet. Um, I'm kind of more worried about when it gets to the, that back line. Some of them are not great with their feet, um, Wooten being one of them. Um, not particularly good at getting rid of the ball quickly. I wonder if, you know, we start seeing that being an, you know the press point rather than it being directly on Paulson. Getting into that uh, midfield, it was... Interesting uh, seeing um, Van Haddam used out wide rather than up the pointy end. Uh, I didn't think he was awful, but I didn't think he was great. Is is that his position or is this just a trial? I kind of always think that about him, not going to lie. I've had my thoughts on that. Um, but is, is that just kind of, he's filling in a gap for the moment and then we'll see, or do you think it's kind of more of a permanent one? Uh, I think probably somewhat full in a gap. I mean, he did play, I'm just trying to think where the under-23s played China. He did play out wide as, as a front three, I think. Um, it looked slightly lost and a bit confused for most of it. Um, he did, I mean, I think I only saw the first half of the game last week, but he did play a couple of decent balls across, I think, in that first half, one with his left peg that created a bit of danger. But, yeah, he's a bit of a frustrating one for me. Eh? He just, I don't know, just never seems to, I don't know, contribute when, he, when you need to. You know, when you're coming off the bench, you want to be able to do something you need. It always just seems to be a bit kind of, a bit confused or, like, get a bit aggressive and foul someone and then run the clock down when we're chasing a, a goal or something like that. So, um, yeah, whether that's his, his, you know, season position, I'd be very surprised. I think it's more of a, if Zawada gets hurt, then he's probably going to come on as, as first drop for him, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we haven't really seen him show, like he hasn't he hasn't really earned a spot in any position, you know, and at this level, right? So I think we've all seen him get a reasonable number of minutes and really not offer a lot. And we know that Chiefy's a kind of almost attributes-based coach is, is what I think he'd describe himself as. And he, he maybe sees some attributes there that he thinks could suit to playing out wide, and so he's giving him giving it a go. See how it works out. You know, if it doesn't pan out, that's fine. You still you know you've got him up the up the sleeve for if Zawada goes down, etc. But 
you know, why not try it at this point of the season? Maybe you've seen some stuff there in training and you, you see some stuff in your, your scouting book that says this could work. Let's give it a shot. Um, because it's not like he's put a stamp on anything, really, and maybe giving him a go out wide was going to be the catalyst to him finding it. Do we do we think that he like we want him to be the next Wayne, right? That that's basically why he's there because he's shown the same sort of promise that Ben Wayne showed when he was in the academy. Um, and it, or do you reckon that ship's bolted? Do you reckon there, it's too late now for him to actually earn that spot on a regular basis in the next contract? It's, it's hard to know what his what's his his key attribute. What does he bring to the side? Like I really struggle to say, oh, he's good in the air, or you know, he's good at holding a play, or he's good getting behind. Like I just can't fathom what that is. And yeah. I think for some players, you know, they are good at one level, and some are able to make the step up, and some others. And he he kind of is that kind of almost Hamish Watson. He was too good for the national league, but he couldn't make that step up yeah. to the A league. And I think. The, He's had a couple of seasons. Admittedly, he doesn't get lots of minutes, but you know, if we're not going to see anything this year, then when are we going to see it? Because it's starting to get, you know, he's starting to get a bit older now. It's a bit For... Paige Satchelish to me, like Except like you say, attributes. Quick. Yeah, but there's like there's attributes there that you can build into a footballer. It's just that those like ligaments of being a footballer, like the connective things, like the vision, the end product, the X factor in a game, is just never never shows up. So yeah. how long do you? How long do you carry that around for? I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think the minutes you see him get, he doesn't really show enough to justify more, right? You know, guys guys like Wayne or Sarpreet or those guys, when you were giving them early minutes on, when you knew they were young and you knew there was talent there, those glimpses would come through of, oh, shit, there's actually something here, you know? Yeah. You'd, you'd see enough, even if it wasn't consistent enough and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't polished enough. You could see it. I just don't know that I've really seen it other than you go – He's definitely talented, but it just it just doesn't have that other stuff to back it up to go. In that ten minutes we gave you last week, you've earned yourself a half hour this week. You know, show me it in this one. It's just always. I'll uh, we'll give you a few minutes and hope. It's it feels like his main ability at that, that level seems to be he can run a bit, which mm. you know you need a bit more than that. Just being. Yeah a larger unit who can run a bit. Um, the other interesting thing I noticed up top is playing Cryev much more centrally up on that front too. Something I thought was, I was hoping they were going to do last year, but they did this year. It didn't really look that great. I'm going to go out and say maybe it's a bit early days. Is that something that you guys, you all think that Hard to look that great. Like, I think it's hard for a move, moving someone central. Like, it's in a first hit out against a lower ranking opposition. It's probably going to be a bit, like, packed and scrappy, etc. But I think it's something that could be quite interesting. Sounds ironic, but against a more organized backline. It does intrigue me. And I think I think as well one of the one of the key things I'd say about this performance across the park, and I think it was particularly true of the the more senior import players, etc., was they looked rusty. This looked like a first hit out, you know, the everything wasn't as crisp as you'd want it to be. And so I think it's hard to pick on what was also kind of a positional and tactical change and, and decide whether or not it didn't look good because it just looked rusty or because it didn't look good because of the tactical change, if you know what I mean. And so, yeah, it's, it was interesting for sure, but it, to me, just across the, across the pitch, we looked rusty except for the kids who I don't have a benchmark for a lot of them at this level. So they 
in some cases looked like they were playing, playing pretty well, but maybe there's even more to come, you know? But guys like Wooten, for example, mean shit, he looked he looked rusty Oof, as, yes. you know? Um, and yeah, I think I think Kryav, Zawada, all, all of them just looked like they needed some more minutes. They, they lacked match fitness. They lacked that crispness. Yeah, Wooten, he genuinely looked like the Tin Man. He just needed a bit of CRC to loosen those joints up. He was really rough. Um, yeah, it, it, I've got to say that even Zawada looked, like he was, he was short of a bit lethargic. Yeah, it, he didn't look anything. like he, that. That cutting edge was particularly sharp. That it, there was a couple Which of opportunities. Fine. Which is fine. Like it'd be kind of strange if they came out immediately and started just looking sharp as so. Yeah, I, I thought Costa looked okay. Um, God, I which, hope he turns up this season. Yeah, yeah, I haven't said that about Costa in a yellow jersey ever. So. Yeah. Please, I mean, Costa. Yeah, yeah Paulson, maybe Paulson just... looked good. Mm, yep. I'm impressed by Paulson every time I see him. Yeah, he's he's got that confidence without it being swagger, I think. That's what impresses me the most, that, cool, that ice-cold coolness. He doesn't panic even when he's getting pressed. When there's someone in the box, he's not just rushing out and, and just making a rush decision. He and his brothers are great lads who are... Good to I be around, very supportive of the women's game. So, 11 out of 10 from me for both both Paulson brothers. I have to agree with that, actually. I thought I found him to be incredibly approachable and yeah. uh, generally a really uh, well-adjusted person. There are some people you meet, and it's been, it's been a while since I've interacted with him, but he's been around... Um, well, he's united and stuff a few times, and and every time I spoke to him, the, the thing I would say about him, he just seems like a good kid. Yeah. You know, there are some people who just you get that vibe, and one hundred percent, he's that to a T. He's like the only person. Just want him to succeed, to succeed, right? Because he's a good guy, you want him to succeed. Well, he, he started better than Ollie Sale has started at Perth Glory, that's for sure. Ooh, oh, how name how you. good, how good. He, he so has enjoyable. set that bar quite low, though. To so be fair, <laughs> like so if, there, if, there, if there's a, if there's a way you don't want to start at a club, he's pretty much nailed that. It's a quintessential fuck up of a club move. I know, but how fun was it for us? Oh, how many it. times do we have a player leave us? And sometimes you're gutted that we're losing them. You know, we've been outbid, the money's better, whatever. But sometimes we even have players poached. You think, oh, it's not that big a loss. And then they go on and have a breakout season anyway. And you think, damn it. Why couldn't they have had that breakout season for us? So glad that for once, that's not how it's looking here. We've got rid of one and you thought, oh, it's a bit of a bugger, but uh, it's probably not the worst. And then he absolutely stinks it up. Well, he's yeah. going to be playing stage ball now, right? So... <laughs> I feel like you're going to have to elaborate on that a bit more. Uh, off I here. just hate stash ball. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, that is fair. Um, let, let's kind of move on to uh, there have been some signings into the squad uh, and some re-signings. Re-signings were, uh, was uh, Pennington on for another year. Um, I think we probably have expressed our feelings about him. Maybe he'll turn a corner. There's not hopeful faces in front of me. I wish Look, to, to, to be honest, with with who we've lost out of the midfield, it was inevitable that we needed to at least create some kind of consistency in there. Um, if we're going to start, oh, like we signed Mo, right? Uh, Mo, I'll tell you, we covered that. I think at the end of last season, before we finished body, we'd signed Mo. If he's going to be your starting six, then you're assuming that um, Rufer will be your current starting eight. 
you need a backup between those two. And Pennington feels like, you know, as a squad player, he's exactly what you're going to need. And he, so. and he wasn't bad in this game. So No, he wasn't. You know, I've I've had a lot of times I've bagged his performance. I think he was one of, one of the better on the park in this game. So yeah. hopefully he can keep that up. Um, also signed was a former Newcastle player, uh, a Newcastle Jets player, Jack Duncan. Um, is, do we think that he's in the line for that first keeper spot or is he the backup? I don't think you'd have signed him if you didn't think he'd have a chance of going for number one. I don't think it's clear who the number one is right now, but I 100% believe that between him and Paulson, it's a battle now to work it out. Yeah. Do I think it's th- good. You've got you've got two people at slightly different points of their career, but both will be putting pressure on the other, and that's that's good. What what I find interesting is the the direct contrast of styles. Jack Duncan is not a guy who plays with his feet the way that Paulson does, but he's obviously a quality shot stopper. So interesting times um, at the back. Uh, there have been two uh, promotions from the. Um, uh, Academy, uh, Lucas Kelly Heald, I mentioned before, uh, nominally a centre back, played left fullback um, in that game, and also Finn Conchi. Conchi? Conchi. Conchi. Conchi is right. Yep. Okay. Uh, midfielder. Um, that those those guys have been knocking around for a while in the academy and putting in pretty solid performances. Uh, it, they're not tremendous surprises to anyone, I take it. Not even a little bit. Um, if you look at the way Conchie played at the under twenties yeah. uh, World Cup, he uh, he was the probably the standout in the midfield, which at times did get a bit overrun. Um, I certainly think he's worth a shout at um, at uh, A League level. Certainly worth his opportunity. Um, again, with signing Mo and having Pennington there and Rufa there, there's a you know solid chance he's not going to get a hell of a lot of minutes. But he's also aging out of the academy, so you know now is the time to give him that chance, and he can earn a place quite comfortably. And we're going to need that depth over the course of the season. So I'm happy to see him have a shot. Yeah, um, Finn Sermon, I thought in that under twenties was outstanding. His his calmness was really solid. I I, I hope he gets some good minutes in this A League because um, I think he could really kick on. Um, we'll get on to the women's one, because uh, the women's team has been had a massive amount of signings. Uh, right. There were some players released. Ava Pritchard, Charlotte Lancaster, Isabel Gomez, Tadereman, Moana Walker, Saskia Vosper, and Georgia Candy, all um, uh, will no longer be with the, with the uh, Phoenix. Um, signed on are... Uh, Rebecca Lake, Kate Taylor, Marissa Vandermeer, Mackenzie Barry, Michaela Robertson, Emma Main, Michaela Foster, Brianna Edwards, and the American sign from, I believe, Angel, Angel City FC. Yeah. Houston Dash, uh, technically, but she was drafted to Angel City. Oh, okay. Has right. been on a national team replacement contract at Houston Dash, which is a very niche little thing. Uh, and her name is Hope Breslin. Yeah, the, the women's game with their multitude of clubs in any given calendar year is quite the uh, quite the research effort. Um, already signed on, obviously, Chloe Knott, Alyssa Wynnum, and Grace Wisniewski. That has the makings of a fairly solid wee team. Um, the other thing we should just add before we get into that is the uh, A-League has changed their rules with the women's team, now no longer requiring that New Zealand players effectively be listed as overseas players. So 
New Zealanders and key, uh, sorry, New Zealanders and Australians will be considered domestic players, and that will allow the Phoenix to sign up to five visa players. Um, that feels like it was a rule for the World Cup, doesn't it? Now that they've changed it immediately after the World Cup's going to be finished, Cameron, that is very cynical of you. Uh, and it's and to be fair, it's not often that I'm a cynical person, but it is it is very clearly in my mind that's why that rule was there. When it comes to Australians, you mean? Didn't they say that? Yes. I'm pretty sure they said that. I haven't heard if they have. I'll believe you if they have. So, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they're like it's about protecting the integrity of Australian play- Australian teams for Australian players or whatever. There was some yarn about Australian. Sure, but players. I, I don't understand how they would have changed now that the World Cup's over. Like they still yeah. want to check the integrity. So this is why I say it feels like it was a we want Australia to do well at the World Cup. We yeah, don't I want so New think Zealand to do well at the World Cup. So super cynical. I think that just is what it well, is. Well, I think I think the internal decision as well was also World Cup related because obviously we were able to sign international players. They just stopped a Kiwi from being in the squad, and clearly in a World Cup or a lead-up to a World Cup, we weren't going to do that, right? Given the ties between that Phoenix women's setup and New Zealand football, we wouldn't have looked to give up those spots at that point of a World Cup cycle. We needed those players getting minutes for a professional side. So it made sense internally as well, but I would imagine even if the rules hadn't relaxed, we might have seen some of those spots go international anyway to up the quality and, yeah, it's good that those things have all aligned and, you know, we will see some, some imports signed. It's great. Mm. Um, the uh, no obvious number nine in that list of players, still obviously time to time to recruit, um, but a, a fairly solid setup, especially in that, in that um, defending section. Uh, Vandermeer, Barry, Kate Taylor, uh, Rebecca, um, who else? Foster. That that's already a pretty good setup when it comes to defenders. Yeah, backline's excellent. Like I think it's a good backline. Brecker Lake's a very physical player, very smart. Mm. Um, but I'm actually more excited about the midfield. I think that could be an extremely balanced midfield. because um, it will free Hope Breslin I didn't really see her play much at Angel City, but I did follow her a bit in the Big Ten when she was at Illinois. And she is a kind of really true eight so frees you up to have a true six and a true 10 which like I think Chloe not is naturally a 10 and hasn't been able to do that really so I'm quite excited by the the prospects in the midfield there's also Emma Main in there as well she was pretty electric over those couple of games Um, so yeah I think you're right it's just that it just seems to be the pointy end that seems to be the issue Um, I think we saw last year when clubs were getting Americans, they were kind of getting fringe uh, national teams, right? Like people who played maybe five to ten games or something. So, I mean, this seem, hope seems like she's another step down from that, right? Like, barely got some, barely got like national league minutes, therefore nowhere near the, the national league side. Is that? Do you think that's a mm. is a concern? Mm, no. Um, the first thing I'd say is she's their first ever draft pick, right? So she's got a bit of quality and the second thing is like that particular Angel City roster playing eight games is a decent nudge like when you think about who they've had since day one they're just stacked um so yes she is fringe but I don't know it's just they seem to transfer down here very effectively but I I think she's probably on a par with some of the other people that the Australian clubs have been bringing in like if you look at Hannah Keane 
she basically came to Australia because that was her pathway into playing high-level football. Same with um, Cannon Clough, who's a product of UNC, of all, of all schools. These are people that have had to go to Australia to find a way in at all. Hope Breslin got drafted. And there's a huge amount of talent in the States that goes undrafted. So, I mean, obviously we don't know what she's going to do till she turns up, but I think she's a good signing. It's a good route to good signings too. Hmm. I think as well, you've got to, you've got to look at the prospects of us as a club in that league, right? We're not throwing big money around. We're not winning the league. Um, you know, you wouldn't expect us to be picking up the the best signings when it comes to imports, just because attracting them out here is hard enough anyway. So I think when you consider the context of that, she's probably us punching above our weight, um, just just on name recognition alone. You know, the fact it is someone who has some pedigree. Um, so I I view it more as a vote of confidence rather than necessarily going, why haven't we signed the biggest name in the league? Um, which, you know, obviously we're not going to. So the fact we've picked up someone who seems to have some pedigree probably should do a job for us seems seems like a good get, particularly this early as well, because we know some of those other big names often come very late, particularly in that women's league. As you say, the the way they they move around between teams across even a single calendar year does mean some of those decisions are very late. So locking in someone like that early feels to me like a really good thing. But we still have issues at the pointy end that, that we need to sort out for sure. Yeah, she mentioned it at press conference. So she, she's here for the whole whole season, which I, I think is probably part of the attraction, you know, because I think we saw last year a bunch leave with maybe like a month to go. And I mean, what's the kind of point if you're kind of only there to kind of qualify for the finals and then get knocked out? Like, I don't know, it kind of seems to fit half the. Miss, missing half a the month and what's already a short season, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, so the dynamic there is that they're loaned. So those players are on loan. So Amina Ekic, for example. At, she went home even earlier because she broke her ankle, but she's a Louisville player who was loaned to Melbourne City, hence the early recall ahead of their season start. So even just signing an American as a full contract player is a win because all those big names, Lynn Williams, McCall Zaboni that come down, they're loaned. So it's um, a very interesting little... Is Louisville part of the um, City Group setup or is it just... Nope. Wow, so they've got Citigroup and other clubs. Yeah, so the Citigroup stuff in the States have, have never been successful in being an expansion club for the NWSL because in that New York space, you've got Gotham, which has separate um, separate ownership group. So it's totally separate. Um, but there are strong links because of... It's like, you know, this uh, Hope Breslin said today that she spoke to Ali Riley about New Zealand. That's quite common because you have so many Australians playing in the NWSL. So I think there's kind of the A-League gets like a good reputation from those players that are like, what's the hashtag? Like made in the A-Leagues or whatever. Please don't. You're welcome, A-Leagues. Frosty, going back to your point about missing a nine, um, I guess also missing a, a second keeper and I, I listened to Paul Temple's um, press conference. I think Piney asked him an update on some players. He said, uh, he said Satchel and, and um, Emma Rolston uh, uh, not coming back. What else did he say? He said Lily's what complicated because of her, her injury. So I'm gonna assume that's yeah. her continual injury from last year, which probably isn't a great sign given we're still we're what probably six months from the end of last season when she was still injured. So that's not the great sign for the upcoming. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting, I suppose, that they released Roger Candy so long ago, given that she was. Number two and seemed entirely 
adequate for their one game that she she played in last season. They Does weren't really suge- messing around with their releasing of players. Like they're quite ruthless on that. Mm. Does suggest though that she's got the word that they are looking to recruit another keeper. I mean, you would have thought that she'd look to press for places if it was just um, Bria Hedeberg. Well, I mean, speaking of Americans, right, American third-string, second-string keepers in the NWSL who never play often come down to the A-Leagues. That's really common. Mm. So there's, there'd be lots around to be to be looking at. Well, um, Temps was even overheard saying the sort of thing when he was at the World, World Cup. He was looking for a goalkeeper. Like, certainly wouldn't have been bad shout looking at that Panamanian keeper. She put in a pretty good tidy performance or two. Um, I don't know what her professional um, club setup is, but, you know, you heard it. Uh, another noticeable omission, Millie Clegg. Um, that's, that disappoints me. I would have. Huge I mean, yeah, it's huge. I feel, I feel like much. we might have even talked about this before, but maybe we did. But I feel like you were shocked to hear it today, Frosty. And I was like, I've already grieved over this one. It's <laughs> It's been done. I've moved on. I, um, yeah. I knew that she wasn't coming I, I, coming back, but the rumors I'd heard was that she was going to uh, going to school somewhere. So I assumed yeah, she was and, going and to Yeah, and that is the case. But the timing just means that, that there is another most of a season before she goes. She can't sign a professional contract. So she's essentially going on an amateur contract and has chosen not to stay here on it, which uh, that that's part of the the thing that hurts about it is because, you know, she hasn't gone for the money. It's, it's all about something else. Right. Well, you, and that could be, that could be conditions. That. It could be all sorts of stuff, but whatever it is, it's not money. You haven't lost out on money because that wasn't a factor because she can't take a pro contract and then go to college. Yeah. I um, mean, it does. I wonder about, I, look, Western Sydney's all right, but most. Yeah. Well, are they? I mean, it well, was between no. us and the, us and them for the spoon. Yeah. Look, I don't know. I know that Malia Steinmetz had a good time there. I don't know if something's been said in Ferns camp. Yeah. But. It feels like it has to be something about the setup that they didn't like, whether, whether it's coaching staff that they have moved on now or whatever. Clearly there was something that wasn't quite working. So yeah. I mean, Kat Cannoli is at West's very well regarded by players. But, I mean, the thing for me, like, gone from the Phoenix, whatever, saw that coming. I just, I hope that there's visibility over what school in the state she's going to because nothing crushes a good player like the U.S. college system, especially with, I don't know if you guys have followed this, but because of college football, the conferences are being realigned. So the Pac-12 has dissolved. Players are going to be flying across the continental states twice what? a week. like. That, mm. Well, because gonna... for American college football, they they fly private, so for them but, it's like, oh yeah, whatever. But it's still like Utah. six, seven hours, and they're supposed to be getting an education yeah, as well. For, That's the advantage. So for college soccer, what it would look like is you fly on a Wednesday across the country, you play on the Thursday, you catch a bus to your next game, you play that on the Sunday, you fly home, get home at three in the morning, you're at school on the Monday. Like, oh, <laughs> no. that's not a development. That's just not. And this is. No. This no. is, you know, the good conferences, ACC, Big Ten, those are the ones that are affected by this, and those are the only two I'd want Millie Clegg going into. And now I'm like, even those, nah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a sort of the, the sort of grind you get with um, uh, cr- county cricket. And it's also going to reduce roster sizes, right? So because schools won't pay for women's soccer to, to take more players these distances, players going to play more minutes on artificial turf. 
on planes immediately after. Like, you know Oof. what comes next. Yeah. ACLs. Just going back to the must be something else. Is, do you think there's a, a similar thing with Ollie Sale and, and the kind of release clause? Do you think, like, someone in Western City hoped that she was going to have a breakout World Cup and thought, ah, oh, we'll have a very low resale price and offer you that? Do you, like, do you think that's part of the mix or is that kind of not really a thing in women's football? I honestly have no idea. Like, I've been thinking about this since it, all of it broke and I just, I find it quite, the whole thing a bit confusing, to be honest. Given, given the fact it can't be a pro contract, it surely can't be about resale because you can't yeah, be they, reselling an amateur contract. She's nothing in, so she's nothing out. So Yeah, exactly. So there's no benefit there for them. I think it's just the, the you know, you might get a good most of a season from her. That's the benefit for them. Yeah, I mean, surely, she's a great but, player to recruit. Yeah. Like, as as we've talked about at length, like, you're not going to say no to her, I don't think. No. But, yeah, I just, it just worries me. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just worried about it. Yeah, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. Um, so is there any other um, – I think we've covered all the signings thus far. Um, we're still a long, long way from any ball being kicked in anger. Uh, I think the next competitive match is for the men's, which is about a week away, but the draw hasn't even been done yet. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, there's no draws because I was, I was looking at it today to see if, you know, the A-Leagues were going to capitalise on the Women's World Cup, but no, they're not. No, Isn't no. The, um, the last of the games was only played like last night or something, wasn't it? I think it's Australian tomorrow Cup. or something. Yeah. yeah. I think it might be even small next week, like, because there's quite a few of them to spread over. Yeah. There's some so, tonight. Shall we Google it? No, there's literally some games being played right now. How good. Yeah, it, the Australia Cup is a weird one. Oh yeah, there's games on Sunday. Games uh, on. Games on Monday. Monday. <sighs> yeah. So. Yeah, so go. it's going to be a couple of weeks before we look at going back to Australia, at least. Yeah. Just talking draws. One th- one thing I've heard rumblings about regarding draws is for the um, for the women. I, I I don't remember how public this is versus how much it's just rumblings, but. The suggestion that double headers will still be the stadium, but non-double header women's games will probably go somewhere else, which I actually think is probably a good move. I think that might create some interesting atmosphere around that. I don't think there's anything in the way of a confirmed venue yet, but I do quite like as a fan the idea of, you know, those three or 4,000 being in a much smaller venue and actually having a bit of atmosphere rather than an empty cavernous stadium. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I think what it has its ups and its downs. Um, well, it would have to be it have to be club football venues, right? You'd you'd be looking Jerry, at yeah, Barry Rua, yeah, Jerry Collins Stadium. Maybe it's something with Davy F. Maybe it's a Newtown Park. I don't know. There's there's a few options there that could be interesting, but I think it it will be a better vibe as a fan to watch like that. But whether you also lose some of the gains you might have got out of a Women's World Cup off the back of that, it's hard to say, right? So it'd be interesting to see where that all lands when we do start getting. Um, draws for the league, but that is something I just hear floating about as some some stuff seems to be getting touted around availability of grounds and stuff. I actually quite like the fact that we treated both those teams entirely equally. And yes, obviously that it is a cavernous stadium and there's not a lot of people in there, but yeah. it could be like that for the men too, with only oh, you know, yeah. six or seven thousand in there. So yep. that, that is what it is. Um, if that is the case and they do move, I'd be kind of sad about that. Uh, again, I get it. It's uh, the bottom line matters, especially when you're running the clubs like in the A League, and there's caps, and you know there's not masses of money in the in in the 
in the industry itself. But and I just I liked the fact that we offered that point of difference where we were treating both the teams exactly yeah. the same, and not and a lot of the other clubs weren't doing that. So hopefully it manages to continue. If it doesn't, it makes logical financial sense, but it still would still be disappointing. Yeah, I, mean, I think we opined that that might that might happen at the end of last year. I think, you know, opening the whole stadium for you know three hundred people's, you know, I'm sure I can hear uh, Rob balking at the the costs of that. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me. I I hope they do do as many double headers as possible because they seem to be pretty well attended reasonably compared to the standalone ones. So yeah, I hope they I hope they get as many as they they can. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I guess going back to Cam's point, I guess the cynic in me says, realistically, we should be taking the men's games away from the stadium as well. If we had a venue that was 10,000 seats, we should take both games there. So I I think we're just a bit hamstrung by the fact our stadium in Wellington is, whilst it's a good stadium, it's not really fit for purpose for us, right? So... I don't, I don't think, while I agree with you, it was really nice to see them getting treated equally. I would love to see that going forward. But me personally, I'd love to see it going forward and that both teams move away from the stadium and we had something better that suited both purposes. Um, we just don't. What I'm hearing is that we should have done the hut wreck and we still should and then we can use Dale's uh, new deck as uh, the clubbies for Yellow Fever. How, mu- how much land's out at NZCIS? Build us a stadium there. Yeah, it's quite a bit well, still. Well, you say yep, that. I actually think it's a brilliant idea. There's a train station across the road. The number one pitch, I was out training today, the number one pitch now that it's been given back since the uh, the World Cup teams have left, the number one pitch is perfect for it. They could build a 10,000-seat stadium there. There's available space for parking. They could probably do the lighting without providing issues to the uh, surrounding houses. There's lots they could do. Like, it's a brilliant spot for it. They just have to improve the rail connection, but everything else is in place. But then we wouldn't have the new fancy disco lights around the stadium to use. The strobe. Yeah, but let's be honest. They are pretty good. Ima- pretty Ima- cool. How many night games do we play anyway in the last season? Next to none. How many are we going to play this season? Probably something similar, although the lighting is amazing now, by the way. Um, and how much is that going to cost? How much is it going to cost to have to run those lights? I reckon possibly beyond. I hear, I hear logic. I hear logic, and I want to hear Darude Sandstorm with yeah. strobe lights. And and they're LEDs, so they definitely cost less to run, yep. even with more lights than those old, old towers used to. And you don't have to warm them up for half an hour. But it's modern technology. Install them at our new stadium. It's fine. And they look cool. They on they just the, the, the lighting in that stadium is incredible now. Like for night games, just from my perspective, I love it. It's ruined me for every other stadium I've ever been. I mean, just just for a slight shift, I, I keep sitting there watching him and going, "Man, this is going to be good for the cricket. It's going to be so good for the cricket." So, um, I've heard that they put in similar lights somewhere up north, and they actually had to turn it down because the lights were too bright. So, my, under, my understanding as well is that the lights they've installed at Newtown Park. So, Newtown Park got lights as part of FIFA upgrades, but, um. No one's allowed back there until the the final is played, stupidly. It's not released back. So we haven't seen them. But my understanding is they're the same lights as well, just less of them. Um, so it'll be pretty interesting to see what that's like. It will, it will be the best night venue in Wellington now, the Newtown Park. You'll be able to play first-team games for Wellington United or any other uh, club yeah. 
Wellington Olympic possibly play their uh, national league games there too. That would be pretty impressive if they got the night games there. I, I would I would hazard a strong guess with Wellington United women's team qualifying for national league that that's where their games will be played. Will be night games there, which would be fantastic. Cool. Friday night down at uh, Newtown Park. That'll be brilliant. So what I'm hearing is there's a whole big spare set of lights, and uh, you know all it takes is. Uh, for us to get our um, scaffolding licenses and we've got a stand and we've got some lights if you're stealing lights you're really going to worry about getting your scaffolding license <laughs> i think he wants to put up gonna... a temporary stand in, uh, in New oh South okay Park. i'm with you yeah, i thought yeah. you were just nicking the lights for some reason <laughs> no man let's just be honest mate if you could if you could sort out the parking issue if you could sort out the parking issue at newtown park and the access from you know the, the buses and that it is it's fine. a brilliant location for it you put up the grandstands it's not going to cost you millions of dollars well i mean millions and millions of dollars tens of millions of dollars to get that ready it'd be a great spot this is turning into like a planning podcast oh sorry we, we have ambitions we have ambitions uh one of my ambitions is to get some sleep tonight um and to let dale get some sleep so let's get on to final thoughts do we have any final thoughts what do we want to see out of the uh, next australia cup game and who do we want to see signed for the women's team? A nine. Yeah. Sign a nine. Like, I'm excited to see what Emma Main can do. And at the, at the moment, she's leading our line. There's no one else up there to lead it. And we've got a, a couple a of we've got a couple of tens. We've got a couple of eights and maybe someone who can fill in at a six. But it would be really nice to sign someone who would play as a, at the pointy end properly to free those creative players up to be creative. Yeah, I think you've got a lot of midfield there that can score goals, but you don't want to be relying on that. You need someone who's a genuine nine up top. Yeah, um, poacher. Much as I would like to see us sign one of them, sign two, so that when one of them fails, we've still got a backup. Sign three nines. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Well, we had two nines last season, and neither of them worked. So you know, I don't want to see a poacher. I want to see an absolute nuisance. Someone that's going right, to make same play. thing. Oh no, just how do you be some... a poacher without being a nuisance? No, not a nuisance. I Excuse just me, can I just have this tap in? Sorry if that's inconvenient for you. That feels yeah. like what Frosty would be like playing up front, I'll be honest. Oh, that is not true. It's a bit like what I'm like playing up front. Can I just sneak past? Okay, we'll leave it there uh, with great hope in our hearts and optimism, uh, as always when we start the season before it actually gets kicked off in anger. Um, we'll talk very soon. We haven't decided when, but presumably when we've got more to talk about. Thanks for listening, and hopefully uh, you hear from us soon.